0: Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, February 10th, we look at Lesson 6, I Will Arise. Join us as we see God's intervention on behalf of those who are destitute
1: in the book of Psalms. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study.
0: All right, Michael, here we are, Lesson 6, I Will Arise, and our memory text is Psalms 12, verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord, I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. It's a beautiful promise there, isn't it?
1: It is. I already have the words of the song. I will arise. <laughs> yes, just ringing my ears. But the arise is the rise of Jesus. So I, it's going to be a great lesson.
0: Amen. So, Michael, tell us about the
1: majestic warrior. Yeah. So we've got a, a couple of texts here that are really poignant, and part of it is is talking about uh, evil and injustice and oppression that exists in this world and. Uh, we don't have to look very far to to recognize that is a reality all around us. And, you know, I I was just looking, you know, I know there's a lot of, of, of people that uh, are homeless and hungry. We're in the middle of a, a big blizzard up here where we live. And so it, it, my hearts go out at, at times and moments like this. But yes. earlier this week, I saw someone taking a young kid trying to manipulate them so they knew how to look the most appealing and desperate so that people would want to help them and on the one hand well my heart goes out to people that are are needy and 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 suffering and and homeless i also recognize there are some people that are manipulating and trying to take advantage of that and and oppressing the oppressed if you please right and so that's the reality that we have these people that um are that are oppressed and so as, as we look at a couple of these passages here is that god will whatever that is and i don't want to judge you know each situation is different we want to be careful that we help those that really need help and and do so discerningly but I say that because ultimately, whatever that oppression is, and, and those who even oppress the oppressed, if you please, that God will rise up and 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 he is the mighty God, the warrior, the judge. There's a lot of different references here. Psalm 18, verses 3 through 18, and that he will save them from their enemies, right? The cords of death will entangle me, and the, the torrents of destruction overwhelm me. Even the cords of the grave, the snares of death. And yet in my distress, I call to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. And then it says from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears, right? So that's when God uh, stands up uh, for the oppressed and will then come to their aid and will come. And uh, and so when we see this, uh, we know the, the natural step that we talked a little bit about this last week is we turn to God help we turn and ask god to to come near and and to be close to us he is that that warrior there's a couple other passages psalm 76 kind of talks about this again same kind of idea in in the talks about verse six at your rebuke god of jacob verses seven is you alone who are to be feared does that mean we need to be afraid of god well not unless you're the one that's fighting against god (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> and, and then verse eight from heaven, you pronounce judgment and the land feared and was quiet. And so, and then when you, God rose up to judge to save all the afflicted of the land. So the one who needs to be afraid, if you're doing the afflicting and you're oppressing and hurting other people, taking advantage of other people, then yeah, you have good reason to be afraid because ultimately God will come to the aid of those who are oppressed. And so God is that that mighty warrior. We don't usually use that kind of war image of God too often. We like to depict God as a loving God, a, a kind and generous, a personal God. But yes, God is a fierce God. And God, it's not because God doesn't like people. It's because God doesn't like how other people treat other people and yes. oppress them. And when God sees that, and especially when people blatantly are taking advantage of people, there's a lot of people in this world who, through no fault of their own, through circumstances of life that they've been born into and circumstances beyond their control. And so if anything, it should give us hearts of, of, of compassion. So which raises the question, when we see this injustice, how long will this continue? Right? Focus of Tuesday's lesson.
0: Yes, Michael, Justice for the Oppressed. And and this one, I mean, it tugs at the heartstrings. And I, I want the audience to listen to this and hear it. Because there's a lot of crossover into our own lives. As you just mentioned, Michael, it's a very cold out time for most of the country and seeing people that are struggling. And my kids are starting to become aware of these things. And they're saying, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? And we share that we don't give up money, but we have hand out goodie bags sometimes. We have prayer. But I oftentimes I think there's more, and I think this lesson's bring this out. How how to do that? Well, let's look at some of these texts. Psalm nine, verse 18. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Twelve verse five. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighting of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. That was our, our memory text we saw there. And one that I really want to focus in on is the last a group of text here, Psalm 41, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 3. Listen to this, Michael. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. And by the way, I want to share this, that God's love is unconditional, but -hmm. his blessings oftentimes have conditions on them. Just like Michael and our parenting, my love for my kids is 100% unconditional, right? I I mean, there's nothing they can do to, to make me say, oh, Well, now I love you more because you did this. But some of the blessings that they look to receive, they have conditions on them. Oh, you would like to receive this so whatever it might be. Well, there's some chores around the house that you can do and you can earn this. And this is teaching them to become responsible rather than petulant, spoiled children. And sometimes as Christians, we become petulant, spoiled children in our mindset thinking that God, well, I deserve this without doing anything in the relationship. Uh, And so God is saying here, if you look after those who, if you consider the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And we'll be blessed on the earth. And it's not just the person who is considering the poor. He's saying, when you look after them, I'm looking after them through you as well. So there's this dichotomy that's happening. And so God, I believe is charging us to Consider those who are in need and do things to help them. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with a lady who goes to my gym, her and her husband, and she was telling us, I was like, oh, I, I, I thought I saw you here at the gym Sunday. She said, oh, you'll never see us here on Sundays. I said, why not? She says, well, there's a restaurant downtown, and I'll, I'll just say the name of it, in downtown Fort Worth. It's called Taste, and they have a different concept. Uh, anyone who wants to come in can come into the restaurant. Whether you're homeless, whether you have lots of money, whether you have, whether you have a little bit of money, and they serve really high-class food, and mm-hmm. some of the homeless get a five-star experience, but the way that they do this is that there's a lot of people that come in and volunteer, and mm-hmm. I, so I asked her, it's like, well, how old do you have to be to volunteer? And she says, oh, well, we have some kids that are coming there that help out with the dishes, and so we're thinking about it, planning about it, maybe wait just a, a, another year or two till my daughter's probably about 10. But we we have plans to actually donate some time to this restaurant, to where we can actually have experience of giving back because it's more than just living for ourselves. It truly is about giving back. Uh, and, so, and go ahead, Michael.
1: No, oh, that's just so cool. I love it. What yeah, you know,
0: one. I I love that concept too. I uh, as I'm looking here, just really taken to 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 the ideology that the poor and needy are not not greater than they're not less than they're equal to
1: hmm. life
0: circumstances could have placed you and i michael on a street corner we've just been blessed and we have had yeah. people in our lives that have looked after us uh, i've heard some really horrible and horror stories have friends that worked with a, a homeless downtown in houston and a lot hmm. of them were vets and a lot of things that have happened to people that we have no idea about so rather than treating people as a disease or pariah. Why don't we treat them as individuals for who they are, find out their stories Mm -hmm. and, and allow God to use us to be a blessing unto them, Uh, which now Michael leads us to from justice for the oppressed to how, how long will you judge unjustly Tuesday's lesson?
1: You know, I was just uh, thinking of a friend of mine that works in the government and we were trying to talk about the homeless. And he said, you know, one of the things that's been transformative for him is to find the people because usually i mean there's always transient people but there's there's more often that it's the same people and he said yeah. to learn their names so said, the names of the homeless people around the building where he works in downtown and along the route between his home and and where he works and um that has been transformative in terms of those relationships so when he sees them he knows a little bit more of the story because he stopped and uh, but he knows their names and uh, sometimes he'll buy them food or whatever it is that he does but it's more than just kind of begging it's it's actually there's a element of personal relationship and and i'll i'll remember this because in our neighborhood this last year there was a a, a gentleman who not quite homeless, but definitely has some, some challenges and would just sit by the road and it's easy to just drive by. And I'll never forget one day that I saw somebody was one of, one of my neighbors stop by and just sat down next to him. And I went out, I I don't know, I was running some errands. So I was out for maybe an hour or two, I came back and he was still sitting there next to him, still there. And, and when I saw him the first time, he's kind of kind of gruff and and looked a little grumpy and i wish i could somehow convey what the image i saw of his face that just was beaming with a smile because someone cared to notice him someone cared and you know it's back to learning one's name and but there is that relational aspect and i've noticed how that person is in the neighborhood is completely completely different now. And anyways, I I just, I love those moments of transformation, but when we see injustice and we can't fix everything, you know, I was in a country one time I saw child labor, slave labor. Uh, I'm not going to say where it was, but, but I clearly saw this and I, I got my phone out to take a picture. And right away, there were some guards with, with guns, you know, pointed right at me, you know, made it very clear. Do not take pictures of what you are seeing. And it's like, well, I'm traveling through here. There's nothing I can do to fix this. And it just broke my heart. And so we see injustice in the world. We know those things oh, happen. Yeah. We know that they happen. It brings pain to our hearts. And we have to We cry out to God, how long? How long will this last? Psalm 82 echoes this, the, another one of Asaph's uh, Psalms. He says, verse 2, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? And mm. and this is kind of a, a cry of the heart. Like, you know, God, really? I mean, really? How yeah, really must this continue as if, you know, suggesting like God's trying to, you know, show favoritism to the wicked? You know, I mean, but this is the I love the authenticity, the the realness of this, that we can cry out the 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 heart pangs of our hearts like god how can this continue and 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 then obviously the context continues talking just about what we're talking about here and pleading to god defend the weak and the fatherless uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked and we can claim that prayer to god right now as we see these things in our world we may not be able to fix them we but we can pray god please don't don't let that continue. Please intervene in some way. And I, I think that's a, 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 a very, from a converted heart, that's that's a a way that we can show empathy and and to plead, oh God, please intervene in in this world in which we have. And we know ultimately we can't fix all those problems because we do live in a in a world of sin and death and anguish. It's going to be fixed ultimately till Jesus comes. But we pray that. Oh, God, please let that day come soon, right? Please. So, and then when that day does come, that's when we're going to see uh, God pouring out his indignation for sure.
0: You know, Mike, this this one struck me. So I was going over it earlier this week, and I was reading. I uh-huh. was like, you know what? The principal contributor makes an excellent point here. So it asks us to read a couple of Psalms. And by the way, if you have kids in the car, it's a little bit vengeful here. But uh, nothing too crazy. But Psalm 58, verses 6 or 8. Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let Ooh. them flow away as waters which, ro- which run continually. When he bends his bow, let his arrow be as if, as if it is cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes, like a stillborn child of a woman, that they may not see the sun. And mm-hmm. so we're talking about vengeance here, and some of the psalmists that write. But listen to this as well. This is Psalm 83, verses nine through seventeen. I'm just Deal gonna. Inter- I,
1: I've never heard a, a somebody preach a sermon on that passage, Buster.
0: <laughs> Break their teeth in their mouth, Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine hearing the the intercessory prayer Sabbath morning? <laughs> yeah, that's that's never
1: a memory verse in Sabbath school either.
0: No, it's not. Uh, Michael, don't give me any ideas, okay? (laughs) Deal with them as Midian and as with Sisera, as with Mm. Jabin and the brook of Kishon, who perished in Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Continuing on here down at the bottom, verse 13. Oh, my God, make them like whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the wood, as the flame sets the mountains on fires. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm, fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish. Now, I told you, Michael, there was a a point here where I realized that for a lot of the psalmists, they hated evil so much. This is why they prayed these prayers evil to them was shunned so much that they said, Lord, help us to not enjoy the evil, but help us to push evil out of our hearts continually by helping us separate ourselves away from the evil of the world. And I I, I know we've probably heard this line before, but by beholding, you become changed. Well, this is one of the ways that the psalmist used to not become. They said, just because we're amongst the world, help us to hate the evil of the world, to truly hate it. And this is one of their ways of expressing that. The principal contributor shared it this way. Yet the psalmist's indignation in the face of oppression is a good one. It means that the psalmist took right and wrong more seriously than did many people. He cares even greatly about the evil that is done in the world, not just to himself, but to others as well. And because of that separation, this is why we see such strong language and then we see Christ who comes, and he kind of, he, not kind of, he bounces it out with, uh, I think we talked about like last week, Michael, turning the other cheek, going the other mile of being, if you will, loving and kind, even to those who persecute you. These kind of sentiments. And then you realize what, what's happening here. The psalmists, once again, are separating from evil, but Christ is saying, this is how I want you to treat them. And we also see it here in the psalms. We see it here in verse 16 of Psalm 83, fill hmm. their face with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. In other words, we don't, we don't just want them to be destroyed. We want them to turn to you, we want them to come to you. But we also want them to realize that separation from you is the ultimate destruction. And we hmm. want them to turn and be converted so that their hearts will be conjoined to yours like ours is. And mm-hmm. I I think it's a it's a good sentiment it's a good I, ideology because in this world we live in today we're so ambivalent towards life we're so desensitized if you will and I think sometimes we have to we have to go back to scripture and love the things which God loves and hate the things that God hates mm-hmm. and a, for a lot of us including my own life there's things that there I have just written off or i've accepted or i've just said oh it's okay when i truly need to ask god is this really okay and we a lot of large parts we've gotten away from that let's get back to loving what god loves and hating what he hates and by the way he doesn't hate people he hates the the deeds the evil deeds that is oftentimes done to them yeah Uh, and so michael take us to the lord's judgment and the sanctuary thursday's lesson
1: well back to this is a very you might say adventist theme. Right judgment right. sanctuary, and depending on your view of that, could be either very terrifying or actually very inspiring. And in this case, the sanctuaries were, you know, God conducts judgments, the throne room of God, right, and in, in heaven, and God will and does make uh, decisions related to salvation history and to each of our lives. And so judgment was very closely connected to the work of the sanctuary in the Old Testament. You look at the, the earthly sanctuary that was meant to be a, a kind of an example, a teaching tool of, of, of what's going on in heaven. And we recognize that as part of that process, that God, rules the affairs of human humankind, of of the nations, it says here in Psalm 96, right? It's talking about also talks about his his holiness, right? So when we talk about God in the sanctuary, this is a place of it's a context of worship that we worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Beautiful, Mm. beautiful phrase from verse nine. And it says tremble before him all the earth because you know God, God isn't our like pal, right? (laughs) You know, like like you know, I you, you know classmate in, in school, we can be palsies, right? And uh, no, he is the God of the universe. Now he cares about us as individuals. He loves us. He wants to be our friend, but but he still is the, the mighty God of, of an all sovereign. And uh, verse 10, among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And mm. I, I like that because we may not experience that equity. We may strive for it, right? We, we, that's why God cares that we care about the oppressed, which is kind of the theme for this week. But, but ultimately we know there will be that final outcome. There is hope through that sanctuary. And that's one of the things I love about being Adventists is we do believe in the sanctuary message. I think some people have really understood or even been afraid of it or but, but we should celebrate it. We really should take joy in it. Take joy and 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 the full context and and rejoice and and revel in it if you please, because it gives that meaning and purpose. Philosophers use this word teleology. What's the ultimate end or the goal in mind? Mm-hmm. How we know what God's ultimate um, goal in mind for humanity for each of us is. He will bring an equitable outcome and end to all of this. And and that means putting an end to sin and death. That means that those who cling to that will be no more, not because God doesn't love them and want what's best for them. But as you were pointing out, Buster, God loves the sin. I mean, the sinner, excuse me, said it. <laughs> Loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And yes. uh, therefore, therefore we can remember that in the context of, of judgment and sanctuary. And again, if we really believe this and take this to heart as Adventists, it should change the way that we relate to the world around us. It should change the way that our hearts should melt as God's heart melts. and 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 we see injustice and to work actively not to save the world because we know that's not going to be possible, but we, we, to the extent that we can, we look and work towards a little bit of heaven here on earth. We, we begin practicing and living out the principles of the kingdom of heaven because we care about the things God cares about. And so we yes, care we about and justice not as an end in itself, but as a means to the kingdom of God that, that we believe and those values change us. Yeah. I love that, Michael.
0: And, as a whole, overall, uh, I think that's the key of it, which is allowing Christ to come into our lives and change us. And it's not just us individually, spiritually, but it's mm-hmm. also changing us, which acts out physically in taking care of others mm-hmm. financially and sharing with us how to spend our money in order to be good stewards of not just our own resources, but know, helping others. There's ways and things to, that we can do that God is, Tugging our heartstrings to do, because our lives are not meant to be lived for ourselves; they're meant to be lived for Him, but also meant to live, uh, be lived, and taking care of others.
1: Absolutely, and claim the promise uh, from Psalm twelve from our memory text for this week: that uh, when we see the oppressed and these different kinds of things, as we sigh for the needy, the Lord says, "I will arise." And Amen. let's claim that promise. So, well, thanks for joining us another week of the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. This is Soup. and Swoops. Signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to
0: listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible and be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org for each weekly episode.